Welcome to the Next Greatest Thing podcast, powered by the Arkansas Valley Electric Cooperative Corporation. This podcast is a place where we come together with electric experts and dedicated operators to discuss current co-op events, leading-edge technologies, and communicate with AVECC members. We are Arkansas Valley Electric, changing the communities we serve. Hello and welcome to The Next Greatest Thing, a podcast powered by the Arkansas Valley Electric Cooperative Corporation. Today, we are talking with Taylor Baker from Today's Power, and we are discussing, are electric vehicles worth the charge? Taylor, how are you doing today? I'm good. How are you? Good. Well, we have just finished uh, the Electric Drive Week event here at Arkansas Valley. Yes. And people have have gotten to drive electric cars. Mm Mm-hmm. So it's been nice. We brought the Tesla up here. We brought the hybrid Jeep and gave people the opportunity to ride and drive and learn a little bit more about electric vehicles. Which I'll be honest with you, before today, I knew nothing about electric vehicles. I've never ridden in one. I've never drove one until today I drove the Jeep. Right. uh, For I wish I could have driven in a little bit longer. It was pretty smooth. Um, But I think a, a lot of people have learned today a little bit more about what they're about. So... Before we get started, tell us a little bit about yourself and how long you've been with Today's Power and what Today's Power is. Okay, so I am the marketing and PR coordinator at Today's Power. I've been with TPI for about going on six months now. So I started in March um, and TPI is a wholly owned subsidiary of AECI. So we're owned by the 17 co-ops throughout Arkansas. Um, And our bread and butter has pretty much been uh, large-scale utility solar projects. But we also, over the years, have expanded our services to include EV charging infrastructure, battery energy storage, um, operations and maintenance, multitude of things. So So one thing I did learn while we were standing out there with the electric vehicles is there's not a today's power in every state. Uh, Arkansas is unique. Right. And the fact that today's power is Yes, in state. so being owned by the co-ops, we can work with co-ops across the United States, not just Arkansas, and we are unique to um, Arkansas, but we do have projects going on currently in Kansas, Nebraska, Oklahoma, working with the Navajo Nation, so multiple projects across the U.S. That's really, really cool. Um, so let's talk about electric vehicles and see if we can learn a little bit more. At least I can learn a little bit more about them. So you you mentioned that we had a Tesla and a Jeep today. What are, what makes a vehicle an electric vehicle and how do they differ from a regular vehicle? Yeah, so without sounding redundant, an electric vehicle pretty much is that. It's just a vehicle that is run off of, well, there's multiple versions and we'll talk about that later, but it's just a vehicle that is run off of battery power and that's what gives it its energy, quote unquote. And the most notable, I think, for most people in their mind is going to be a Tesla. So as opposed to a gas powered traditional vehicle, an EV is just going to be a vehicle that consumes most of it, all or most of its power from battery. That makes sense. Are there different types of electric vehicles or is it kind of a one size fits all? There are different types. Um, So there's kind of a first generation hybrid electric vehicle, which is what I drive. So an example of that could be like a Honda Accord. Um, It's battery and it's gas, but it's not a plug-in. So it's going to recharge itself while it's using gas. It's that regenerative um, braking that's installed in the first generation um, HEV. 
And then there's PHEV, which is a plug-in hybrid electric vehicle. So that's like what the Jeep was. It's an electric and it runs off battery and gas. But to recharge the battery, you're going to have to plug it in at a, a pump. Right. Um, to recharge the battery. And on the PHEVs, you can either go fully battery or you can go fully gas. Um, so you kind of have that control of going back and forth between hybrid um, modes. And then there is BEV, which is battery electric vehicles, which are fully no gas involved, fully battery operated like the Tesla. So those are going to be um, only able to operate if you charge them at a charging station. No gas is involved. Is that... Does that make you nervous a little bit to ever drive a strictly electric vehicle? Um, a little bit. You're afraid you're ever going to run out of battery? Yeah, there is that, that kind of like range anxiety that a lot of people feel when they own a battery electric, which I think, so a lot of people feel more comfortable to ease into the EV world through a hybrid because they kind of have that like, okay, well, if I do run out of battery, I've got gas to fall back on, you know? Right. Battery can be a little daunting at first. You know, if you want to go full BEV, a lot of people are not quite ready for that yet, especially in Arkansas with the infrastructure we have in place. But, you know, it's fun. It's fun to drive the Tesla and get that experience at least. Right. I didn't get to drive the Tesla today, um, which I'm kind of bummed about, but it is so sleek and so quiet. Mm-hmm. Like, it's a diff- it's a different animal. Oh, yeah. It's hard to tell if it's running sometimes, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It could sneak up on you for sure. Um, beautiful vehicle. Absolutely beautiful. So what what would be the benefit of owning an electric vehicle? Why would somebody want to switch from fully gas to fully electric or hybrid? Yeah. Um, well, there's multiple reasons. And I'm, there's going to be different incentives that are going to be more enticing to some people than others. But most of all, it's going to be fuel savings. Um the cost of driving electric is a lot cheaper to charge at a charging station than it is to go fill up your tank full of gas, especially in today's world that we mm-hmm. live in. Yeah. But also, if you're just like a, a green-minded person, you're going to have lower tailpipe emissions, better fuel economy, all that kind of stuff, as well as one thing to take into consideration is a lower maintenance cost on electric vehicles. So a standard gas-powered vehicle, you're going to have to have oil changes and regular maintenance and take it in and get all this stuff done. But when you have a a hybrid or a battery electric, you're going to have lower maintenance costs because you're pretty much just replacing the battery. And a standard battery life is going to run you about 10 years. So lower maintenance cost is a huge thing. And then just because they're fun, you know, a lot of people want to drive them just because it's fun. It's a good thing to go show your friends, show your family, kind of have that. It's a new, a new toy for a lot of people to kind of have that battery electric car. Right, right. I'd never thought about the maintenance ever. Like, that, yeah. that makes a lot of sense. There's yeah. more to just filling up your truck with fuel. Right. And like, I mean, you would still have to get tires rotated and, right. and that kind of stuff. But that's a, a huge selling point for some people because sometimes the ticket price on a hybrid or a battery can electric vehicle can be a higher ticket price, you know, initially. But what kind of offsets that price is the lower maintenance cost throughout the life of the vehicle and the, the charging cost, you know, five cents to five cents a virtual gallon or whatever you want to call it to fill up your battery and fully charge it as opposed to spending $60 at the pump, which I think on the way up here, we stopped and charged the Tesla. It cost us like $14 to get a full charge as opposed to like if we would have driven, you know, another car up here and had to spend like $60 to fill up and then head back. So yeah, big difference. But how long will that charge last? 
Well, it depends. So there's different types of chargers as well. So there's level one, which is going to be like at your house or something like that. But typically you're going to see a level two charger and a DC charger, DC fast charger. So level two, um, you can, that's going to be where you're going to be eating at restaurants, shopping at shopping malls. So you'll want to be plugged up for, you know, an hour or more for a level two charger. Um, to get some range out of that. But for a DC fast charger, we were plugged up for 15, 20 minutes and we're back to full charge. So, and let's be honest, if you stop at a gas station, you're going to be there for 15, 20 minutes, right? Like we went inside and got a coffee and chips and stuff like that. And we, by the time we got back out to the car, we were like, yeah, we're good to go. We are almost back at full battery charge and we've had people been driving it all day. So we'll probably swing by there before we leave town and get a little bit more juice up in it, but not be there, there maybe 10 minutes. Wow. Yeah. That's, I mean, because I was thinking, oh, if you have to charge it, it's going to take such a long time. And, you know, what's, what's the benefit if you're on the road, but. Right. But if you, I mean, if you have a level two charger, um, you know, you can have those installed at your home, at a business, at a restaurant and sit there and charge for, well, if it's at work, you can sit there and charge for eight hours a day, you know, and just kind of get like a full tank. Or if you're going to eat at a restaurant, sit there for an hour, an hour and a half, get a charge and keep going on to the next. That's so interesting. So interesting. So, I mean, when, when we talk about using electricity to charge our vehicles and everything, I think it's a, it's a natural thing for people, especially these days, to start thinking about the electric grid. And if everyone gets an electric vehicle, is there concern about overloading? Well, so... Today, the grid that we have in place is good enough to sustain the power that we need because we only have about a 1% adoption rate of EV chargers across the state. Um, And the grid that we have currently can sustain that. Um, So for the foreseeable future, the grid that we have is up to par for what we're seeing throughout the state. But as we get up to that 5% adoption rate with EV chargers, I mean with EVs, we would see a need for a grid update, revitalization, and all that kind of stuff. So, but I think co-ops are in a unique position to where they can kind of, they know what their grid can handle. They know how to offset that, how to, all that kind of stuff. So co-ops are uniquely positioned, I think, to kind of handle that. And that's what makes co-ops good, um, good territories and service areas to have chargers because they're, they're in control of the grid and they know what their grid can and cannot handle. Um, But for the most part, the grid that we have in place today is, more than enough for what we need for the current footprint that we see of EVs across the state. Right, right. That makes sense. Well, along along that line, how much electricity does it take to charge an electric vehicle? So a level two charger is going to typically be like 240 volts. Um, that's how much it's outputting. So that's anywhere from three kilowatts to 19 kilowatts of AC power. But when you get into the DC charging, that's what makes it so much faster and you can get that charge in a matter of like 20 minutes is it's putting out 800 volts of power. So you've got like 240 volts of power on a level two, 800 volts of power on a DC. So there's a a huge difference in that. Um, But that's a typical voltage for the chargers. Interesting. So we live in a very rural area in, you know, our, our headquarters are in Ozark, but you know, if you get out of town one way or the other, it's 20, 30 miles to the nearest town. Um, I I personally have a 45-minute commute uh, to and from. I live in a small town called Scranton, mm-hmm. uh, which is little bitty dot on the map, but a, a decent ways from here. I know some other people that drive over an hour 
um, 30, 45 minutes is common around right. here. And, and a lot of, a lot of people also, this is a huge farming area, um, cattle operations, hay operations, um, are electric vehicles practical for rural living and for people who live in rural areas? That's a great question because that's what we get. We get that question a lot when we go to events and people just calling in and asking questions. So I I do believe that electric vehicles can be practical for rural living. Um, and there's kind of that's kind of a twofold question. So if you're charging at your house or you're charging at a local charge station, you are going to have more than enough charge to get around town. I mean, if for the typical driver, you're not taking a road trip every day, you know, right, you're going right. to work, you're going to Walmart, maybe to eat dinner and then back home. So in a rural community where there's not a ton of charging, that wouldn't be a huge concern because you're just kind of going throughout town. Um, and that's one of the big things that we're currently on the cusp of at Today's Power is working with those underserved communities, those rural communities that might not have access to chargers and saying, okay, where where can we put a charger to kind of alleviate some of that stress that people might feel like, oh, I'm not going to get an electric vehicle because I live out here and there's not, there's nowhere to charge. Right. We want to make sure that that infrastructure is in place. And so we always say, we're not here to sell you an electric vehicle. We're not a dealership, but we are here to find those places in rural communities that really need chargers so that that option can be available to people who choose to drive electric, you know? Um, but there is definitely a lot of range anxiety, like I said, when it comes to living in rural places. Cause yeah. if you go to a big city, I mean, you can charge anywhere, right. but if you live, you know, in Camden or you live in Ozark or anywhere, there's, you're going to have a hard time finding a charger, but I mean, from where I live in Scranton, uh, I'm 25 minutes from the nearest Walmart. Right. You know, that's, that's a few, that's a few miles, you know, so that's off the top of my head when I think of electric vehicles, I'm like, can I get there and back? Yeah. And another thing I don't think I mentioned was if, if you choose to drive electric and you install a charger at your home, that's also an option. You know, it runs roughly, I mean, roughly around a thousand dollars to 2000 to install a home charger. So you could have that back at home True. to charge overnight and at least get you around town. So Right. That's an option as well. And additionally, with the new bipartisan infrastructure law, Arkansas is going to be receiving $54 billion to kind of build out that infrastructure across the state. So we should be seeing a big boom in charging stations pop up across the state. Wow. So before we move on in, I've got a couple of questions about billing and um, some like common misconceptions about electric vehicles. But I you know, I talked about, you know, the fact that we're a very, very rural area and th- there's a lot of farming around here and people do that for a living. And um, for me personally, uh, I I show horses mm-hmm. and that's that's what I do on the weekend. That's what my family, my family does. And we take off with a truck and a trailer on the weekends and we'll go sometimes hundreds of miles and we're pulling a four horse trailer that has a living quarters um, with a dually truck and everything. And, and we're going a long way. And I know a lot of people, they they travel with cattle trailers and they go from point A to point B and, you know, they may go out of state or whatever. Are, are electric vehicles capable for that kind of use for farm and work vehicles? Yeah. So I think that we'll continue to see an increase in technologies that will make it more available to people that are involved in farming and agriculture. But as of today, um, there's companies like Ford and John Deere that are actually partnering with 
farmers to find out like what are your needs that you need from an electric tractor if that becomes a possibility right. and any electric vehicle to do the hauling like you were talking about. So mm-hmm. there are companies out there that know this is a, a niche that they can kind of tap into and figure out what do you need and how can we help you accomplish that. So I definitely think it's, if not now, the future, um, there is a huge possibility for electric machinery, electric vehicles to be involved in farming. And also if you just take of it, think of it as a regular, like farmers are people who love the land that they work on. They want to take care of the earth. They are very proud of whatever they can produce for the customers. And so taking that another step further would be why not add electric machinery and electric vehicles to a farm to just improve your emissions, improve air quality. That's going to in turn benefit farmers and what they can produce as well. Right. I look forward to, to knowing that that could be an option for my family and I, Yeah, you know, when it, when it comes to hauling. It'll like be that. neat. I think it'll kind of be like the horse in the carriage. Like I'm sure whenever the first car came out, people were like, oh, I'm not really sure about that. I'm going to stick with the horse and carriage. But whenever EVs come out, I feel like people will, as the technology advances, more and more people will get on board and it'll go into farming and agriculture and, and many more things that we can't even imagine. At the end of the day, how is someone's electric bill going to change if they got an electric vehicle? So overall, you might see a slight increase in your electric bill, but EV drivers are going to be saving roughly 40 cents a mile compared to gasoline-powered vehicles. So I think that that's going to end up offsetting. I don't think that your energy bill is going to jump from, you know, 200 to $500. It's not going to be anything crazy, but you might see a slight increase, like we said, in your electric bill. But you're going to recoup those costs throughout the car, throughout paying for less maintenance, um, lower charging costs and stuff like that. So overall, it won't be a huge lifestyle change that you're going to have to accommodate to as far as money goes. It's just where it's going and who it's going to. Right. Just kind of um, redirecting where the funds are going to. So instead of gas, you're paying for charging and then you're not paying that much for charging at the end of the day. So that makes total sense because that was one of my big questions of, okay, so I get one, but you know, is it going to be more expensive at the end of the day? Right. You're not going to have your electric bill go through the roof or anything like that. Right. That makes total sense. So, when you, you go out and you talk to people a lot. A, a lot. This is what you do. You visit co-ops yes. and, and you help educate them on EVs. Mm-hmm. What are some of the common misconceptions about electric vehicles that you wish more people understood? So, one of the common misconceptions, and we deal a lot with people who are going to love their old 1997 Chevrolet, you know, (laughs) pickup truck. And that is totally valid. Like we are here for that. But one of the big misconceptions is that electric vehicles don't have the power. They're not going to be able to haul stuff. They're not going to be, have that get up and go that a lot of people want. And that's just not true. So if you think about a standard vehicle, gas powered vehicle, the engine has to go through the internal combustion process before you kind of get that power and that torque. But with the battery, electric vehicle or a hybrid, the battery, the power that's coming generated from that battery charge is going straight to the wheels. So you get instant torque, instant power. So I don't know if you've ever like, well, you, you didn't get a chance to drive the Tesla, but no. you can go from zero to 60 in 5.4 seconds. Whoa. Yeah. So there is a ton of power involved in that. And so that's just a huge misconception of, oh, well, it doesn't have the power I need to, to haul this or to get from A to B. But, um, it, it definitely does. And I think that that's a huge part, like you said, just going out and educating people, giving them the opportunity to drive one, see one, touch one, feel one, gives them kind of like that, oh, well, 
okay, I was wrong. I didn't expect it to be that smooth or I didn't expect it to be that powerful or that fast or that kind of stuff. So, right. I did not know that. And you know, when I was driving the Jeep, I was really surprised because I went, I don't know, we were, we were going fairly slow and I decided to kick it up to about 50 and it was smooth. Oh yeah. It was a really smooth transition. (laughs) Right. It's a lot more smooth than driving just a standard Jeep. You know, you can get kind of bumped around in a standard Jeep. Yes. But, um, the hybrid is, is really smooth and same with the Tesla. I, I was impressed by that. I really was. So what do you think is a good reason to get an electric vehicle? And on the on the opposite side of that, is there ever a time when an electric vehicle might not be the best choice for someone? So like we were saying before, mul- there's multiple reasons that somebody would choose to go electric, whether that be they just want to go green, they just want to reduce their carbon footprint, they just want to have fun, they want to try out new technology. There's multiple reasons. Um, but I think that there are circumstances where somebody, it may not be the optimal choice for them to drive electric. So I think you have to kind of weigh the pros and cons, again, of what your situation looks like. Um, and that's not to discourage anybody from driving electric, because, of course, that's a gr- if that's a great option that fits into your lifestyle, go for it. But I think for now, one of the biggest things that I just continue to stress from TPI is that we have to make the infrastructure available so that people feel more comfortable making that change. Um, there could be options if you live out in a, I mean, I know this is a rural area, but if you live somewhere where there is absolutely no access, there's nothing right. close to you for three hours and you're right. just kind of stranded, <laughs> that might not be so practical for you right now. Now, who's to say that 10 years from now, there won't be a charger on every corner? You know, we have no idea what the future looks like, but there are circumstances for sure where somebody may want to hold off or may want to go hybrid. You know, that can, that is something that I can see why somebody would be afraid to switch to complete BEV, mm-hmm. but um, going to hybrid is kind of like that easy transition to where you can fall back on gas if you run out of battery. What other electric vehicle facts would you like cooperative member? What other electric vehicle facts would you like cooperative members to know? One of the things I didn't touch on earlier was that electric vehicles we're seeing more and more co-ops and companies and businesses use them for fleet vehicles. So Walmart just purchased, I think it was 500 of the new electric canoes. I don't know if you've seen those. I haven't. They purchased about 500 of those to be their delivery vehicles. And so that's something that co-ops can utilize too. So if they have like a huge fleet of field guys that are going out and, you know, going to people's houses and going out to sites, they can utilize utilize electric vehicles as fleet vehicles for the co-ops. Um, and another thing is that there are currently tax credits available to members that want to purchase. Um, so you can get up to 7500 for qualifying new vehicles and 4400 for qualifying used vehicles. So there are tax credits and incentives that um, would be really enticing to a lot of people that want to go hybrid or want to go fully electric. Interesting. I feel like I've said interesting a lot during this podcast because there's so much information that I really didn't know. And I feel like there's a good chance a lot of the cooperative members 
don't know or, or didn't know and have learned about or at least piqued their interest. And I know there's so much more that we could talk about. We could probably talk about electric vehicles for two straight days right. and not even get through the half of it. But in that and that's what I want people to know that have that have listened to this entire episode. There's there's so much more to it, but we hope that you've learned something, uh, learned at least one something new or at least piqued your interest uh, in learning more. Um Electric vehicles are, are really interesting and they're, they're good. Right. They're, they are good. They might not be the best choice for you right now or a, an option right now, but there's something worth looking at and something worth learning about. Absolutely. And I've only been with TPI, like I said, for five months now. And I took the marketing position, but Jenna Denny is our EV infrastructure program manager. And just in the course of five months, I have learned so much from her, from other people at TPI about the benefits of electric vehicle charging, um, infrastructure needs across the state and even other states. I mean, we traveled to Virginia last month to go talk to some co-ops up there about their infrastructure needs. So it's definitely a hot topic. And if it's not for you right now, it might be for you five years from now. Right. Um, but we just really, really want to open up the lines of communication to talk to people about what are their needs, where can we put chargers, um, and just really get people educated, educated, educated is like our main goal. Um, so we look forward to people asking questions. We always welcome questions. Absolutely. So if somebody has listened to this entire episode and says, ooh, I really want to reach out to Taylor or Jenna or someone from uh, Today's Power, where can they do that? They can email me. My email is tbaker at todayspower.com or Jenna is jdenny at todayspower.com. And we're currently working on a brand new revitalized, revamped website that's going to be going live next Friday. So we'll have that available for people to go on as well and learn more about EVs and connect with us too. Awesome. And so can they go to the website and learn more as well, even without reaching out to y'all? Yes, absolutely. We have a completely page a complete page dedicated to electric vehicle charging. Perfect. Facebook? We have Facebook, we have Twitter, Instagram, and LinkedIn. Nice. All right. Well, Taylor, thank you so much for coming out, bringing the vehicles. I've had a, it's been a beautiful day and I've had a blast out there learning about electric vehicles hands-on. I've really enjoyed our conversation in here with the podcast. Yeah. Thank you for inviting us. We had a great time. Good, good. Well, we appreciate your time and helping teach us more about electric vehicles and we look forward to maybe you coming back again and us doing this again sometime absolutely as soon as you guys get uh, your new ford lightning and let me know we'll come back and do a test drive i know it's on the list of things to do right. so uh thank you everyone for listening we hope you enjoyed it and we'll catch you next time thanks thank you for listening to the next greatest thing powered by the Arkansas Valley Electric Cooperative Corporation. Make sure to like us on Facebook and follow us on Instagram and Twitter at MyEnergyAVECC. Visit our website at www.avecc.com. We hope to see you down the line.